Let's have a show of hands. How many of you know what a ruby begonia is? Well, it is not a flowering plant. Can you imagine that a ruby begonia is what a city is proud of and for which it is noted? You see, there is in Texas a small town called Cairo. It claims to be the turkey capital of the world. A ruby begonia is a variety of turkey. And each year, Cairo hosts the ruby begonia turkey races. And the town's population goes from 5,000 to 35,000 for the races. I think that it's probably in the nature of small towns to want to be known for something or somebody. Well, Nazareth had its ruby begonia. Yes, one of the local lads made the big time. I can imagine that the greater Nazareth Chamber of Commerce, the mayor, city council, the fathers and mothers, the movers and shakers were probably already in the planning stages of a new sign for the city limits. Nazareth, home of Jesus. Not to mention putting a tax on motels and hotels for all the tourists. Today's gospel is a continuation of the gospel that we should have read last Sunday, but we, we read the gospel for the conversion of St. Paul. Jesus was in the synagogue at Nazareth. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, <clears throat> and he read... The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to lift the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he sat down and he said, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And then the gospel writer makes a comment all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. Let me suggest that they are amazed not that Jesus was a good reader or speaker, rather they are amazed at his gracious words, that is, his message of grace. Their amazement did not last long. Doubt raised its ugly head. Is this not Joseph's son? It's a position as old as humanity. One way to discredit the messenger when you do not like the message is to find petty faults. Another way to discredit the messenger is to apply some well-worn platitude. But Jesus anticipates what they're going to say and cuts them off at the pass. Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, doctor, cure yourself. And then Jesus makes them angry when he suggests 
that God was healing people that they thought were outsiders. God was healing the wrong people. It is not what that congregation wanted to hear. And they became filled with rage. Jesus was proclaiming a grace that was wider and more generous than they were. And any one of us can be happy when the right people are forgiven, accepted, healed, and reconciled. But we are not so sure that we want those things extended to those outside of our favored circles. I cannot believe for a single moment that the folks in that first century place of prayer and teaching were any different than any of us in this place of prayer and teaching. We are just like them, given our church divisions and the schisms and the polarizations that exist in our time. This gospel passage is full of the theme of us versus them. At the heart of all this is privilege. W.E.B. Du Bois, one of the founders of the NAACP in the 1930s, wrote about the psychological wage <clears throat> that enabled poor whites to feel superior to poor blacks, even as the same poor whites suffered their own forms of injustice. During the civil rights era, many talked about white skin privilege. During the 70s, in response to the feminist movement, there rose male privilege. Jesus was talking to the members of the synagogue. They were probably his neighbors, people who knew him. He knew them. There may have been some people there that he grew up with, played with. It would have been a cross-section of that society. Most of them were not powerful elites or the wealthy. They were the people who suffered under Roman rule. When Jesus read from Isaiah and had communicated the gospel of grace to the poor, the captives, the blind, the oppressed, <clears throat> he was talking about the people who were sitting in front of him. They were the poor the oppressed, the blind. But they could not receive his words of grace because they thought of themselves as God's people in terms of privilege. That led them to resent a message of grace that was extended to others and ironically kept them from joyously receiving the same grace themselves. I think we have a lot in common with that congregation in Nazareth. The similarity may be stronger than we imagine or what we are prepared to accept. How we respond to the gospel of grace and its liberating themes of justice, compassion, reconciliation for all people 
will reveal much about how we are prepared to receive his gracious words, his gospel of grace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.